Hello and welcome to the Fides Club. I'm your host, Patrick Beja, and this is episode number 14 for June 2009. Hello and Welcome to the Phineas Club, the show where we get people from around the world to tell you what they saw in the news from the past month. So we get news and, more importantly, opinion from around the world. So I think today we are going to be focusing a little bit more on the um, events in Iran. Uh, but before we get into the show, it might take up the whole show, possibly. We'll see how it goes. But before we do that, I'll introduce our panel today. Uh, we have, of course the uh, inimitable Turkey, who is with us and who doesn't really need an introduction. How are you doing? Uh, hi, everybody. I'm doing great. You, you, every time we do the show, you sound a little bit more asleep, like from month to month. Oh, well, I start to sleep, then I slowly wake up. Just okay. to give me some time. <laughs> we'll say something to upset you, and then you wake up and yell. Oh, trust me, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant like crazy on Sarkozy this time. Great. Uh, we also have Julio, who was uh, here uh, a few episodes ago, who is this strange mix of, uh, of uh, Netherlands and Argentina. Uh, Let's just make it simple and call it Argentina. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. You're Hi, doing okay? Yes. Hi, Patrick. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the invitation again. I'm here in the Netherlands enjoying these uh, summer days with 20 degrees Celsius, raining and really, really humid. So I'm so, very happy. So basi basically you're at the opposite from Turkey, who I guess is having 40 degrees Celsius and uh, incredibly dry. 43. Yes. 43. Holy crap. Okay, well, um, so thank you guys for being here. And we also have a very special guest today. Um, Neda is here and uh, she will be the, the center of our discussions, I think, because she is an Iranian national who is now residing in Paris, who has been residing in Paris for a few years, actually. How are you doing, Neda? Thank you for joining us. Hi, Patrick. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, I'm good. Um, Paris, the weather is pretty good. And... Uh We've been following the news. Everybody's been following the news for the last two weeks. Of course. So, um, newspapers, everything. And um, we're in touch with Iran. And that's yeah. it. Well, mm. you know what? Let, let's get right into it. I said that at the uh, beginning of the intro that we would be talking about Iran a lot. And let's not waste too much time. Um, and I thought we were going to talk about Michael Jackson, not Iran anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty much what's been happening in in, uh, in France, in Paris, uh, in the news. There's just Michael, Michael Jackson. Although, you know what? It might be interesting to, to talk about him, too. We'll see if we have time. Uh, but first about Iran, um, so that we get a, a sense of where you're coming from and, and context. Uh, for you, Neda, could you please tell us a, a little bit of your story when you arrived in France and what's your relationship with your, with, uh, your country uh, at the moment, so that we understand your comments later on? Uh, well, a lot of, um, everything happened during 1979 um, when the regime was changed. A lot of Iranians left the country. Uh, to go and live uh, in Europe, Canada, Australia, and other European countries. And that's when I uh, arrived to Paris. Having said that, I did live in London um, for about seven years before Paris. But uh, 
France has been my hometown for the last, uh, since 1981. I'm in touch. I go to back to Iran every three months. I've been around Iran uh, quite a few times from north to south. And uh, I'm in touch all the time. My friends, cousins, and I was there about two months ago. Okay. So, um, obviously, in the past few weeks, you must have had a lot of contact with, uh, with your family and your friends from uh, Tehran. Uh, your, your family is in Tehran, is it? Uh, it's Absolutely. Not in Everybody is in Tehran, yes. Okay. Uh, so, let's, you know what? For, in case some of the listeners don't know what's been happening uh, in, in Iran, or, you know, I'm, I bet a lot of people know that there's events and uh, uh, riots and stuff like that happening. Maybe they don't have the exact um, uh, story of why everything's been happening. Could you give us a recap? Uh, I don't think, Patrick, anybody listening to this show doesn't know what's going on there. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'd still like to have a, little, uh, a <laughs> recap from an Iranian. Well, let's, let's hear what you, uh, how you would tell the story, Neda. Well, when I was there about two months ago, um, everybody was getting very excited about the presidency and everybody was talking about the presidency of Iran. So it's, um, you know, and uh, when I was there, I noticed that everybody was going to vote. Having said that, one of the major elements uh, that you notice in Iran, everything is getting very, very expensive, very, very extremely expensive all over Iran. It's not about Tehran. And we did have 29% of inflation this year. So um, everybody was looking forward to that, to the changement of the government. And so, of course, the, when the election happened, um, the, the, there was a, a, a popular movement that said that uh, Ahmadinejad, who won officially the election, was not the one they actually voted for. And they started these, um, these well, protests. I'm, I'm reluctant to call it a revolution because we, we don't really know yet, but they started protesting very uh, strongly. And can you tell us why they thought that the, um, the, the election was rigged? Because it, it could have been that he actually won. I mean, he does have support in the country, right? Especially well, in the countryside. Does, absolutely. I mean, he does have support. I mean, you know, nobody denies that. Two hours after the vote, um, we did Musavi, Mr. Musavi did receive a fax, you know, saying that he was, he had a lot of uh, people were voting for him, he did receive that fax. But the very strange thing was in Azerbaijan, where Mr. Musavi was born, and he is from Azerbaijan, uh, suddenly we hear the news that he lost. Azerbaijan is like, if I tell you, like, um, in, you know, in um, you know, some color people in, in America didn't vote for Obama. Uh, it is impossible anywhere, but not in Azerbaijan. In Tehran as well, everybody was for Musavi. So, it was very, very strange, and people came out spontaneously saying, it is impossible. Where did our vote go? Right, you know? which is when we started hearing, where is my vote? Because exactly, where is my vote? Because people really did come out all over Iran. I'm not talking about Tehran. All over Iran, this is impossible. Not Azerbaijan, not Tehran, um, especially these two cities. Okay, um, so so everything. I mean, everybody started walking very, very slowly. It was they didn't have any arms, they didn't have any knives, nothing. Where did my vote go? Right. 
Um, I, so that was the first uh, couple of days when that happened. It was around uh, the weekend around uh, June 12th and a few days after that. Of course, we started hearing about this in, in France and in other countries very f uh, soon after that. And the, the, the reports in, uh, I think in France and the US at least, were very cautious saying that They, they, well, they didn't take a lot of uh, um, implication with the Iranian people who were uh, protesting. So they were saying, well, we support the will of the people, but we don't know what's happened. And it's a, 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 a due, you know, it's an election. And uh, if there was a problem, then it might be a problem. But they didn't come out in uh, strong support against uh, Ahmadinejad, at least in France, and I think it's safe to say the U.S., in the first few days. Uh, I'd like to hear from Julio, because I'm guessing that it was the same uh, in Argentina. Argentina? Well, uh, it was the same uh, here in the Netherlands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, yeah, very, very cautious, uh, because, yeah, it's an, it's, it is an election... Um, and you don't really know what's happening. Uh, also, I think what is very interesting about this is that the, how the news uh, was spread to us via the internet as well. Right. On, on a globalized way. And uh, I remember uh, that, uh, well, I, I, I hate talking about Twitter because it's everywhere, but Twitter played play a centralized role on how we found out about what was going on in Iran. Absolutely, yeah. It was there was the whole. We're not going to get too much into it, but there was the whole CNN fail uh, story where Twitter was uh, breaking the news and CNN was playing reruns of Larry King doing whatever. Um, but well, that's that's a complicated issue because they, CNN needs to check the sources, but they would have needed to at least mention the fact that it was going on and. Twitter and other social networks were going uh, going on li like crazy, but we might have a chance to go back to that uh, a little bit later. Um, what I'm interested to know also here is Turkey, because obviously uh, Saudi Arabia is a, an Islamic uh, country, and so is Iran. So I I'm, I'm curious to know if they came out in support of Ahmadinejad just automatically, because uh, you know it's they have a lot of in common uh, religion-wise. Uh, there's nothing in common between Iran and Saudi Arabia, even well, religion-wise. They're both wise. Islamic countries. N no, most Sunnis don't consider Shias Muslims, and Shias don't consider Sunnis Muslim. There's a huge hatred between the two sects. Right. And uh, Iran is basically an enemy to Saudi Arabia uh, uh, as a concept. And politically, we have uh, good relationships at the moment, but uh, on a pers on a social level, we don't like each other in general. So do you mean to say that uh, the government of Saudi Arabia didn't support uh, the, the, the election of Ahmadinejad at, at first? What, what, I mean, my point is, what, what did they say? What, did they what, what was their official response? Uh, Saudi Arabia does not uh, usually never interferes in any uh, domestic affairs of any country, even if it's in enemy countries, uh, like uh, considering Iran in a way. But they have showed uh, uh, the only response Saudi Arabia had was the sadness of the uh, movement against protesters in Iran. So beyond that, there's no official reaction to the matter. So you mean the uh, 
um, the movement against the protesters was condemned by Saudi Arabia, so they were supporting the protesters, is what you're saying. Uh, I w it's, it's not exactly supporting the protesters, it's more uh, not supporting the violence against the protesters. So, hmm. it, it, as I said, it's a very complicated relationship. Like, even in Saudi Arabia in general, people here didn't really care much of what's going on in Iran. Because, as I said, there's this uh, whole religion conflict between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And most people really doesn't matter for them who wins or who loses in uh, Iran because they see them all as the same. And we also need to remember uh, what's going on in Iran. It's not anti-revolutionary, which is against the Islamic revolution. It's just uh, against the voting. So the, we still have a similar government It's going to take, whether it's Ahmadinejad or Mosawi, it's going to be basically the same, but there's going to be some uh, openness that's uh, from Mosawi against Ahmadinejad, who's an extremist. So, But basically the government as a concept, as a ideology, it's going to be the same either way. Right, that's something that a lot of people tend to forget, which is uh, the both candidates, uh, both major candidates, uh, Musavi and Ahmadinejad, were approved by the clerics. So then I, I'm going to go back to, to Neda. Uh, how different is it really? Because we, we sort of get, get a feeling of they are fighting against the establishment, the establishment being the oppressive um, religious authority. Is, is that really what's happening there, or what, what well, exactly actually, is uh, I'm going to interfere just, um, just by topic that saying that the Iranians, they don't consider the Saudians, we don't, we don't have anything in common. It's, that's, our language is different, our history is different. It is true that Iran has got a seven years of history, one of the heart of the cultures of Mesopotamian, and the Persian Empire, I agree with that. But having said that the Iranians, they don't consider the Arab words as Muslims, it's, 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 that's not true. It's like saying a Catholic doesn't consider a Protestant a Christian. It's just it's, it's, it's Islamic, but they have just two different parts. Um, and so maybe, maybe Turkey was talking about the, the way uh, Saudi Arabia sees Iran, maybe? Yeah, saying that we don't consider the Muslim Saudians as Muslims. Yes, we do consider them as Muslims. Of course we do, and we have a lot of respect for them, for the people. Now, if the government has another attitude towards the governments, it's different, but not the people. Iran has been, they've been living with the Armenians, with the Jews. It's a country of tolerance for many centuries. And um, the Iranian people, they don't have any, anything against the Arab words. I mean, you know, uh, we just, they are Sunnis and we are Shis, but doesn't mean we don't consider them as Muslims, that's not true. Uh, now, having said Ahmadinejad, as I told you before, Ahmad, since he's here, um, we had about 40% of inflation. I mean, even my red fish governs the country better than Ahmadinejad, you know. So, people just, they don't want to, um, they, they just, at the first place, they didn't vote for him. They just voted for somebody else. That was the first step. Now, um, they want Musavi because Musavi has criticized Ahmadinejad different, um, in different um, positions, you know, especially on, uh, on, on Ahmadinejad's attitude towards the Western countries and uh, towards Israel. Uh, Musavi did criticize Ahmadinejad. And basically, if Ahmadinejad stays in the country, rules the country, uh, I don't know, economically, where will we go? Do you, I mean, do you 
Iran is the fourth producer of petrol, and we don't have any refineries in Iran. This is ridiculous. You were, when we were preparing the show, you told me that something that I didn't suspect, actually, which was um, the, uh, the revolution now is actually going on uh, because of the election, of course, but mostly because of economic reasons. Absolutely, economically, absolutely. I mean, 30% of inflation, it is so much. I mean, you go out, every day the prices are going up. 60% of Iran, they're less than 30 years old. So what it is, every day, you don't have any freedom. The prices are going up. So obviously, you don't have, you know, you just come out. You just come out. You want to, you want to tell them, hey, what's going on? You don't give us anything. Everything is going up. You have no freedom. No universities are getting full. Uh, even the music, I mean, the minimum human liberty, we don't have it. Listening to some music outside in the street, in a car, we can have the police behind us. It is true that uh, Ahmadinejad does, they finance the Hezbollah. A lot of our money is going towards Hezbollah uh, against the terrorism, you know, with the, financing the terrorism. And um, this is very, very important economically. Iran is going down the drain. You, that's that's right. I mean, my first thought, maybe because I'm very Europe uh, Europe centric, was for the European Union and and the economical sanctions that were put in place. And I thought, of course, we always joke that economical sanctions don't have any effect and they're, they're useless. And when Iran said, I mean, Ahmadinejad says this or that, we're going to toughen the economical sanctions, blah blah blah, and. Now, apparently, what you're telling us is that the uh, economical sanctions indirectly uh, led to the people revolting. Oh, absolutely, Patrick. The thing is, with economic sanctions, we ha everything. I mean, in Iran, you can find everything. They come towards Dubai. Dubai, um, but the prices are seven times more, eight times more, certain things. They come to China because they continue to work with us. They continue to come towards Russia, from Russia as well. But, I mean, when Ahmadinejad says all his um, propaganda about the Muslims, he doesn't make the smallest move for the Chechen. Why? Because they're next to the Russians. So it's kind of a permanent hypocrite. So what a people today, they don't have any choice. Today they say, okay, we don't want Ahmadinejad. Let's see what Musavi can do for us. And how do you how do you see Musavi? Because I think a lot of uh, people in in Europe or in France uh, think that Musavi see him as a more Western voice. But how Western can he be if he is uh, chosen by the clerics? By Western, well, I mean you know uh, more moderate. And uh, I, I think people understand what I'm saying. Well. The fact is, today, that Iran doesn't have any choice economically. They have to start working with the Western people. And the clerics, if they continue their way as they are, they will be disappeared because the country can't take it anymore. And they are beginning to be divided in two parts. There is Musavi with Rafsanjani, having said that, remain in mind that Rafsanjani is one of the richest men in Iran and doesn't get along at all with Ahmadinejad. And uh, when he became president from Qom, Qom is the holy city of Iran, nobody congratulated Ahmadinejad, apart from uh, Khamenei, the guy. Uh, this, the, the guy. So um, nobody has congratulated him. 
No one. So they are beginning to be divided into several parts now. And the show goes on behind the curtains. So what you're, what you're saying Sorry. is that um, the clerics themselves are divided. The, some of them are, well, at least Khamenei is supporting uh, Ahmadinejad and uh, Rafsanjani is supporting uh, Musavi. But Absolutely. And, and so they're being they're they're divided. There there are two factions in the uh, in the church. In exactly, uh, exactly, and they know, and which was never happened before. There there was they were pretty united. I mean, you know, but now um, Rafsanjani's daughter and family were um, were in jail for a few hours, a few days ago. They were they were freed because Rafsanjani remains a very very powerful man in Iran, and it's not only about Iran um, because if anything happens with it, that's. Uh, Islamic um, image, a lot of things can change in Middle East. Don't forget Lebanon with the Hezbollah. Don't forget Yemen. Um, so it's very, very delicate right now, the Iran situation. Right. Uh, it's, it's interesting that in France, I don't think in the news we got any reports of that aspect of the conflict. I, I mean, we didn't hear about the clerics being divided at all, which, which is surprising because it seems like a, a, a big component of the issue. Uh, what about you guys? Did you hear about this? No, no, I, I did not hear about this, uh, but maybe it's something that is very controlled uh, from the news uh, point of view for Iran. I guess they don't want to show if there is a, such a divide in their uh, clerical uh, system. Well, I, I don't know. I would think that the experts on the, on the country, in our countries, in France and the uh, Netherlands and uh, anywhere, would know what the conflict was about. And it's curious, we, we didn't hear about the clerical, uh, 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 not schism, but, you know, factions, and we didn't hear about the economical uh, origins of the revolution. It was very much played out as a political movement, which it is, of course, I'm not saying it's not, but the fact that the economical uh, aspect of the uh, Iranian life played a part into it was not shown at all. Uh, Actually, but all the big media have covered it uh, very clearly about the conflict between within the clerics and about the economy. However, they didn't wait, highlight... Wait, not in France. I'm, I'm saying all the major media, which is in English, I, I don't speak French, so I don't... <laughs> well, there you go. I don't know about French media, I'm just talking about, like, CNN, BBC, New York Times, like, these three did cover these aspects, but uh, on a base, but they didn't put it in the headlines, so unless you read the whole article, you really don't get to know about what's going on. Right. But, I mean, Patrick, when you, when you go, when you go, uh, when I was in Iran two months ago, right now, Uh, as a fourth producer of oil, you go into the gas station, you, you wait for one hour to put gas into your car. It is amazing. You want to, people work, everybody works, they have two jobs, they work 12 hours a day. I mean, how long can you, you can't take it. Economically, uh, yeah, again, you're in, nothing. In prep, uh -huh. you were telling me that the uh, average salary was around 400 euros. And yeah, so the, 400, the and they have to, to, to make it two, to so make it 800, 900, and they have right. to live in the same house. And every day, it's like... You Because the average cost of living is around 1,000 euros. Absolutely. And don't forget, Iran is not only about oil. It's a country with natural resources and agriculture. I can tell you, Iran... It's a perfect country for agriculture, from tobacco to tea. 
um, to all different fruits, Iran has everything. In some countries, they just have natural resources, but for Iran, it's everything. So people, they're not blind. I mean, they know that a country like that, it is, it is, it's just crazy with that economic expect aspect of it. And, and, yeah, and I'm it, sorry, it, it must be it must be very bothering when you consider a country that's considered one of the top oil exporters and producers in the world, and uh, its entire population has to, has to uh, rationalize oil for their car gas, Absolutely. and they had to they 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 get and they have to get uh, uh, cards from the government, which gives Absolutely. them permission to uh, like I think I don't know how many liters every every month, so they don't really have freedom to fuel their cars. Absolutely. So you see, so when people, that's it. So, so you can take it one year, you take it two years, you take it three, and it's been 30 years. But since Ahmadinejad, 29% on inflation, people from north to south, from east to west, enough is enough. Right. And um, the very sad thing, I can tell you something, those who had faith in Islam, people are losing it because of those kind of governments who've been governing our country for the last 30 years. They're losing faith in Islam. And yeah, I was saying, Turkey, uh, the, the, the uh, amount of annoyance or being fed up that we hear in Neda's voice, I don't think it was accurately reported in the media. Maybe if you dig into the articles, you can see a cold, the cold facts that um, the, economic, uh, the country economics are, are in jeopardy. But you don't feel like this is a major fueling force behind the revolution. Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't see it like that at all. But I well, well, I well, well, I can't really say exactly where I got this impression. But I clearly did get the impression okay. that the whole problem was based on economics and uh, then the very unbelievable inflation rate in the country. And uh, people are just fed up with that. Uh, I, I can't say exactly how I got this information because mm. I can't really. I've been reading too much stuff, so I don't know where the source. But I Well, maybe you're just better informed than, than I am. That's very possible, uh, too. I it's, it's possible, but that's the conclusion I did uh, get. And okay. as I said earlier, uh, clearly the revolution was not anti-Islamic anti revolution. It was anti-Ahmadinejad. Right. Absolutely. So the the, con the 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 situation continued to escalate over the days and the weeks and, and the past few weeks, and um, the other question I would have is basically what um, the the protesters are asking is for a vote recount, a complete recount. Which would mean very possibly actually, I, I think, actually, right? actually, they're uh, demanding that the, the entire election be cancelled and done and, all over yeah. again. That that's what they're asking now. But at first, it was a, a recount, right? No, no. From the oh. beginning, he demanded okay. that the election be cancelled. And and what the funny part is the way the uh, government is insisting that the election was fair and there were no nothing wrong about it. At the same time, they tell people, well, we did find out that some c cities had people vote more than registered voters were voting. <laughs> So I really don't know how it's considered a fair election when they're confessing that there are a lot of votes that were not registered and they voted and they were counted. Well, the, so. the, the funny thing here... I mean, from Azerbaijan when he's born, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. They said, I mean, you know, this is a flower of the flowers, they say. I mean, you know, they say, oh, no, no, he didn't. 
Ahmadinejad won. Yeah. I mean, anywhere, not Tehran and Azerbaijan. What is the, this? Um, Two hours later, they were saying 63% and 60%. I mean, they just, they just love that, that two numbers, 63 yeah. But right now, what, you know, a lot of people, the human being basic rights, they've just destroyed it. People, they were just walking in the street peacefully with no arms, with no knives, and they were getting killed. 60% of Iran is less than 30 years old. They killed mothers, daughters, kids, students. Right now, they want Khamenei Ahmadinejad to leave. They don't want them anymore. Right. Well, that's that's what I was getting at, actually, which is what what the protesters want is for uh, Ahmadinejad and Khamenei, in a sense, to abdicate the power that they have. So I don't see how there can be a, a solution to this situation, because will they ever say, well, OK, that was, you know, we were we 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 yield to you to the people and we're going to go away. Sorry. Goodbye. Is that can that. Is that conceivable? Well, as actually, long as there is there is a movement within the clerks at the moment and in the council, the Islamic Council, where they are. There are some people there who are actually seriously considering removing Khamenei uh, by uh, officially. So we don't know until we things settle down more. Absolutely, it's we're talking now, and now the future will tell us how these things will, will go on. The fact is, um, if this continues. All the religious and clerics will be disappeared, not probably this week, not in a month, but soon enough, this cannot continue. People will be out there. There is, and, uh, you know, I've had an email from a, from a student saying, you know, um, if this is life, I don't want to live anymore, so I better die. There is, um, you know, when you're 20, 25, you get up in the morning, um, you know, you want to have hope, you want to have a right job, you want to have the minimum freedom, which we don't have it. Um, Iran, a country with um, literature, poetry, writers, music, nothing, nothing. We're not, I mean, you know, they're trying to cut all that off, especially Khamenei and Ahmadinejad. Um, how are you communicating with uh, with your families and friends in Tehran? Is is the are the phone lines working all the time? Do you use the, well, the, the internet or Twitter work. or the Twitter and mobile doesn't work? And of course, all the phones they are bugged, you know. So we, you know, be very very careful how everything goes. I mean, um, everybody uh, they can come in any office, any second, any day, and they can break everything, and they you don't have a life anymore. With Basiji, they are. Basiji, they are known as Gestapo's in Iran, and um, nothing can stop them. They just so come could, and they destroy. You could conceivably have someone knock at your door because you talked about, uh, I don't know, organizing a protest, uh, come at your door, door the day before and come and take you off to some Absolutely. prison somewhere? And sometimes, you know, you haven't even done anything. The problem, that's it. And it's not that psychological, um, you know, they, they just play with your mind. And they've been doing that. And, um, but, you know, there is a saying in Persian saying that, um, you know, if this is life, might as well die. But we will fight to get our votes back. And today, Neda has become the icon of Iran. And all the people who've lost their life, they, people are in the street, that they will continue this way. Uh, probably not this month, but soon enough they will be out there again. 
Um, right, Neda is of course the uh, woman who was killed during a, pro a protest. Absolutely. Um, who was died. right? She she died. Uh, there was someone who was filming with his uh, mobile phone, and uh, the the clip. Of course, I'm sure you've seen it already. It was very brutal and very uh, uh, unsettling. Um, did she? Was she? I guess every revolution needs a symbol. Was she instrumental in the reinvigorating of the of the movement? Well, she did. She has become the icon because now uh, the meaning of Neda it means a message, um, a way which will you will take um, the way of your life, and uh, she, the way she was filmed touched everybody. I mean, a lot of people all around the world. I think they had tears in their eyes what they saw. And um, she has become a Che Guevara somewhere on the line, yes. Mm. How, how do you see, because now we're, uh, of course, with the death of Michael Jackson, I think the, the news has been refocusing on, on, on that, uh, unfortunately. And maybe we feel like the situation has settled down a little bit in, in Iran. Um, didn't, you, didn't you hear Ahmadi Najat had a huge party when he heard Michael Jackson died? I'm sure he did. It's my God! I mean, Ahmadi Najat doesn't even know what drums is. My God! <laughs> um, oh no, he's just happy that that that, that Michael Jackson is, is uh, moving Iran out of the headlines. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. the Iranians were very, very sad about Michael Jackson. You know, he is a hero. I mean, you know, everybody loves his music, especially Iranians. I mean, they've had so many. Um, history of music, his, uh, you know, you know, and respect, respect. So we only have respect for him. But we know that it's part of the game, you know. And um, it's fair enough that every, you know, uh, people talk about Michael Jackson because he was unique and a genius. But I think history will go on, and we will see that um, the Iranians will get their votes back, and a lot of other rights. Well, which they the lost. The, the the situation now, at least as seen from France, is pretty much stale. And what we think, we're not hearing about it anymore. And we don't really know what's happening. So where do you, what's the situation now today in the streets of Tehran? And where do you see it coming in the in the coming days and weeks? Well, Basij, Basij is there. The Basij people who are the Gestabos, they are there. They're very, very, you know, it is very calm, which is very normal. They, I mean, you know, that's the way it should go. But as I was telling you before, we will see, I don't think Rafsanjani, I don't think Musavi, I don't think other clerics will let it down. The things will go on, but behind the curtains. So you think the popular uprising is, is finished? No, it's not finished. It's just a question of time. Just time. Matter of, um, not days probably, but weeks months probably, but they will be out there again. As I was telling you, um, today we've got 30% of inflation. If it goes up to 50, we'll, you will be having more people out there, much more than, much more. You know, when you don't have anything to eat, um, when you don't have the minimum freedom, but you come out, you come out, you have nothing more to lose. Of course. Um, I, I, as um, Julio was saying before, um, oh, Crap, I forgot what I was saying. Um, <laughs> sorry about this. Yes, I, right. I didn't and, say much, so yes, <laughs> that you should were be talking, <laughs> You were talking about Twitter. Um, w we've heard a lot about Twitter and the role of the social networking and stuff like that. Um, 
what role did it actually have in your relationship with it and uh, you from what you can gather um for as a, a force to uh uh you know to fuel the the revolution and the movement there in the country itself hello you turn into holy aren't you no sorry i was asking you meda oh. Could you repeat that because I had yeah. problems with my... Uh, okay, with my no, I was just asking because we heard a lot about um, uh, Twitter and the fact that everyone was Twittering and then people were asking questions, is it really effective or uh, how effective was it and how instrumental oh, was sorry. it, Twitter and other social networking fabulous. sites? Fabulous, it was fabulous because that was the only, I mean, it was, I can't tell you how good it was for the Iranians inside of Iran, how we gave them courage outside for the media, and giving the information to the whole planet that we were not the country for which the last 30 years people had, the planet had the impression that we were some fanatics and um, wanting to kill the whole world, the Americans, the Europeans, they sh we showed, Iran showed the whole planet that it's the country of tolerance and they want to be free. They want a life just like any other human being having a normal life. And it was, uh, it just showed how communication is perfect. And it goes on. Uh, that's, that's, you know, uh, Twitter, everybody's in touch with Twitter, internet, um, Facebook, phones, phones, and, yeah. everything. I wanted, was, I wanted to comment just a little bit on this Twitter thing. Uh, okay, I won't, I won't call it funny, but a uh, noticeable uh, story is that I think Twitter had a planned uh, maintenance, you know, uh, shutting down the servers. And I think it was the Department of State of the US asked Twitter to delay the maintenance for a yeah. few more hours to get more intelligence on this. On what was going on? Yeah, and to allow the Iranian people to uh, to organize and communicate via this network uh, also, because it was the middle of the day for them. But uh, I, I'm going back to my uh, previous question: Did they actually use Twitter as a way to communicate and organize themselves? Or absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you had people in, let's say, in street, which is called A, and suddenly they would say, okay all the police are in street A, so go into the street C. That's how they communicated each other. How, that's the way that a lot of people's lives were saved, actually, or how they gathered together, because there was no, you know, the movement was very, very spontaneous. Everybody came out, out of, the, you know, out of a reaction, and they, they, can, they can gather together, you know, through this communication. Right. And like students in Shiraz will say, okay, we started it right now, Uh, so Esfahan will say, okay, we are there too. Okay. And it just go, went on all over Iran. What about that movement of uh, Twitter, green Twitter avatars thing that people are doing to show their support to Iran? A lot of people are saying it's completely useless or if you want to show your support, you should write your represent uh, you know, elected representative and tell them that you're concerned. And that's the way you actually influence things. But the Twitter avatar, green Twitter avatar things are useless. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that? What personal thing? I think, you know, whenever you make a move, um, a lot of people will say always oh, useless. I mean, when Gandhi started walking to free India, a lot of people 
said the same thing, saying you're going to walk, it's going to be useless. India is never going to be free. Uh, so this kind of comment doesn't mean much, you know. And if it does give courage to the others, because it's it's a movement and uh, they recognize each other, that's good enough. But I mean, you know, you always have a lot of people saying it's useless. But you know, life goes on, and um, Gandhi did get India back, and we will get our votes back. Okay, well, that's what we hope happens. Uh, Julio and uh, Turkey, you've been very uh, good and very quiet. I want to give you the opportunity to say something, uh, if you have any comments before we uh, move on to another topic. Well, uh, no, first of all, I think it's it's a bit intimidating for me to, to speak in, in, uh, in front of NEDA or uh, Turkey. Uh, well, when both intimidating in front of NEDA, I can understand, but scary in front of Turkey, yeah, that, that would Yeah, be. You, you can put it that way. No, it's just that <laughs> I, find, I find the conversation so interesting and so far that all I can think of to contribute is just asking more questions to NEDA. Um, I, I wanted to ask her if um, what's her opinion, and this is more um, not so much about the elections, but what's her opinion about uh, if, the, if she sees any possibility in the future to, uh, instead of just choosing candidates selected by the religious control organization of the country, if there isn't any chance that in the future uh, the country will have a government with no religious intervention. You know, Iran, it's a very, very delicate question you're asking, because Iran is an Islamic country, and um, and people of Iran, uh, I'm talking, you know, it's, um, I, I, I want to, you know, it's very, I don't want to make any propaganda on that. Um, but uh, for the time being, Iran wants a republic, Islamic republic, but somebody who is open to Western, uh, Western world. Okay. And, um, you know, because Iran is Persia, because of 7,000 years of civilization, because for many centuries um, we did work with these Western countries, why not? I can say, why not? But people of Iran, they might be Muslim, but they're not fanatics, you know? And um, you have them everywhere. You've got them as in medical parts of the United States. You've got them in, in, uh, in um, literature. You have them in, um, in NASA, in the United States. We've got a lot of engineers who work for them. And Iranians are very, very open people. That's the Iranians. Of, I'm talking to you about the population of Iran. But if there is a top of the republic, Islamic, but open-minded, why not? So maybe so we can get a clearer uh, idea of what... Musavi would be like. Can you tell us exactly, like, give us specific examples of what it would be like if if Musavi came into power, uh, if if the um, uh, if the 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 people got what they wanted? Well, I mean, I think Mr. Musavi ha has heard the message. Mr. Musavi should take care of the really major problems of Iran, which is uh, the young people their education, and economically, and he, they need freedom, they need that freedom. And I think today, um, if the message has been heard, he knows that he's got to get, could take care of it, because if not, they're going to be out there again. 
I mean, but specifically, know. what would he change? Uh, what so, so we can hear uh, the the like specific examples? What would he change in today's regime, and what would he make uh, a gesture towards that uh, youth in Iran that started the revolution? Um, I think first of all, he will have uh, much more peaceful statements towards the Western countries, which Ahmadinejad. Apparently, the guy hasn't got anything better to do instead of going out there insulting the whole planet. I think that's the first thing, to have, um, you know, to go towards the Western countries peacefully. And going on about the atomic uh, approach, which is very, should be very peacefully, not aiming to destroy any country. I think that's the first thing mm. he might probably do. And, you know, he has had a, he's an architect. He's had a, he's very into art. And, um... Which you know, which means he's he's intellectual. I don't know if Ahmadinejad has ever read a book in his life, entire life. I mean, he's the president of country. He can he can't even talk. So that you, reminds me of a certain U.S. president uh, before Obama. Sure. Obama. We do need but, an intellectual person at the head of the country. But when you say that he he is against everyone in the Western uh, side of the world, uh, I understand he has a good relationship with Chavez. Is that correct? Yeah, but Chavez I mean, from Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela, but when Ahmadinejad does his statements, is always destroying. You know, it's always negative. Um, in none of the cases, he does have a positive approach. Mm. It's always okay. Uh, we are the best, so we're gonna destroy X or Y. You know, but uh, we, I mean, Iranian problems are much more important. Um, it has to be positive. It's got to be, we've got to rebuild the country. Ten years of war of Iran with Iraq. One million people died during the war. The Persian Gulf has to be uh, built again. We don't have refineries. All this, they've got to take care of it. Well, that's Drugs the great in Iran. Drugs. We've got 900 kilometers of frontiers with Afghanistan. Drugs are everywhere in Iran. Opium. And um, these are all the major problems of Iran today. That, that's the great irony and the great frustration that you're expressing. It's the fact that uh, Iran actually has everything uh, to to build a successful society and uh, and a rich community, and it's such a waste that's uh, that's happening now. So, I, of course, we can understand the frustration of the people. Um, Turkey, do you have any comments you want to add before we move on? Well, I don't really have any comments, but I do like, the, since uh, Julio mentioned the uh, <laughs> president of the U.S., uh, it's finally nice to see a reaction from a U.S. president that says, well, that's let the people take care of it instead of sending your army in and deciding, you know what, let's do it. <laughs> Oh, it's how, would you, how, how would you think uh, Bush would have uh, handled this? Oh, oh my Bush God. would have been horrible. He would have attacked uh, Ahmadinejad. He would have threatened. He would have moved forces in the Gulf. It would have been a disaster. <laughs> I know. And the worst part, and the worst part of something doing like this, like you need to look at it in the smart way. Sending American forces, if if, if some if the president threatened the Iran, sent armed forces, it might turn against them because Iranians are That's very proud people. They might actually end up supporting Ahmadinejad at the end just because of their pride. They don't Absolutely. like people to interfere. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. 
okay just just before uh we <laughs> uh i'm gonna take the uh, opposite view on this and think that bush could not have s sent anyone anywhere because he's already in uh, in iraq and afghanistan and obama even if he had wanted to he couldn't have because he already has two uh fronts uh that he has to take care of so you know i i, I don't think the situation would have been very different Uh, if Bush had been president, maybe diplomatically it would have been uh, a little bit a different approach. But I'm not even certain about that. Well, well whether he I, uh, whether he invades the country or not, we're, I'm not talking. The fact is, Bush would have put armies, his army, on the borders on in, in Iraq. He would have put ships in the Gulf at least. No, I don't he would think have that been would have threatening. Uh, he would have done that. Maybe. Bush is a is a guy who all he cares about is money, and he just <laughs> wants all of that oil wherever it is because he owns most of the shares in all of those corporations. I'll I'm sorry, you... I'm sorry, Patrick, for that, that question. I didn't know it was going to unleash Turkey. <laughs> no, that's what we wait for. Everyone's expecting Turkey to go off on something. If it doesn't happen in one episode, we get angry emails. Um, but maybe one <laughs> last... I'm going to add up uh, that uh, right now, um, you know, uh, Mr. Musavi um, had told uh, Ahmadinejad and uh, Khamenei that he was very, very... Uh, worried about what was going on in Pakistan and uh, that Al-Qaeda was about 100 kilometers away from Islamabad. And uh, the Americans are aware of that, what's going on in Afghanistan and Pakistan. They know that fanatics, it's got to end. It has to end. And Mr. Musavi is aware of that, that it's very, because Pakistan is just our frontiers. And Afghanistan too, you know, and um, we've got two countries next to us, which are um, very, very dangerous, politically speaking, with that. Um, maybe another question that I would like to ask you is, how do you think the, it touches on something that Turkey was saying, but how do you think the people would react if Western forces said, listen, uh, to Musavi directly, it, Do obviously the uh, election was rigged. I'm talking theoretically, right? It's science fiction here, but uh, they go to Musavi and they tell him the election was rigged. Do you want? Let's not say the U.S., but let's say the U.N. Do you want the U.N. to intervene and to enter the country and to, uh, you know, make sure that the next election goes well or to force another election on the country, on the authorities? Uh, how do you think the people would react to such a proposal? Well, I do agree with my friend that the Iranians, they don't want any interference uh, of the Western countries inside of Iran. They will take care of it. What will, go, what will happen, it will be inside of Iran. Every time a foreign country has interfered in the Middle East, um, it, wasn't, you know, it just wasn't the right thing. Um, what will happen will be happening inside of Iran. The Iranians, they don't want any Western interference inside of their lands right now. So I, I was going to... I to give you something that Iran was a never a colony. I mean, you know, it's one of the few countries and that South of has never been a colony. And it is true that Persians, they are very, very proud, you know. And uh, it is good that Mr. Obama has that attitude, you know, because um, the movement was from the, our generation, nothing to do with the outside countries.
It, it's true that, you know, again, it's something that's surprisingly consistent with the UN's attitude, as we were talking before uh, for the economic sanctions. Here, the UN would ne probably not enter the country just like that. And it's being faulted for that many times. People say, well, they're useless and they don't actually act up on, on anything. But here, apparently, it would be a bad move. So that's one for yeah, the UN. Yes, you are. You know, it's Islamic country, the Islamic government. And, uh, you know, um, it's just going to be real bloodshed in the passage. I mean, I can't, you know, mm. uh, it's, it's, it's impossible. I can't, I can't even imagine the situation. First of all, the Iranians, I don't think, been, you know, uh, I don't think they will uh, have... They will not allow that, you know. Of course, yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't speaking no, no, as a let, let's do it, but yeah. I was thinking, what would have, what, how would be, how would the reaction be if that 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 was proposed? In that's why I said science fiction. Yeah, because last time, something. you know, with the revolution, Jimmy Carter and all that, they've had a bad experience, you know. Mm. So let it uh, let it be in their hands this time, I guess. That's what they should they say them to themselves, like I guess, you know. Uh, that's what I was going to, going to comment. There have, there have been uh, Western interventions before in Iran, and like yeah. uh, Nea said, they were not very well received. If you are going exactly. to put a dictator on, on charge, it's like yeah. what happened in most of Latin America. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, and I think there is another big difference uh, in between when we say, okay, let's, um, uh, let's intervene in. I don't know, one uh, African country that is uh, is having a major civil war and the government is killing thousands of people and there is there are no rights, no human rights for anyone. Well, that, that you might need to intervene there, but Iran is completely different. Uh, yeah. These are people that can vote and uh, most of the Iranians I know are just brilliant people, they are intellectuals. And let's face it, it's one of the countries with the oldest history in the planet. So it's not that they are just beginners, um, you know, and in this uh, as a country, and they they should have the right to solve it among the, amongst themselves. Well, they, I, they, I they, they can vote, so that shows that shows something. Okay, we are discussing if the vote has been uh, rigged or not, but yeah, they exactly. have the right to vote. I the mean, there was there were talks of of having, um, uh, you know. Uh, people watching the elections in the U.S. even to make sure that there were no irregularities. So anyway, that, that, that was just a theoretical uh, discussion. Um, okay, you know what? Let's, let's move on to maybe one other story before we finish the show because we've spent uh, almost an hour on Iran. And that's, it, it, as we were saying before, the Michael Jackson story has been eclipsing uh, the Iranian revolution story, which I, I, I'm curious to know exactly to what extent uh, it was covered in each of your uh, countries. Um, in France, I can tell you that for the past 24 hours, we're recording on uh, Saturday, and the uh, Michael Jackson died on uh, Thursday night in the U.S. So it's been roughly 30 hours, I guess. Um, in the past 30 hours... We've had nothing but Michael Jackson on every channel, everywhere. We, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen that much. It's been only him and everything else in any news about anything anywhere has been hardly even mentioned, which 
if I can interject a slight uh, personal opinion here, um, there's there's a right amount and there's a wrong amount and <laughs> well maybe maybe not wrong but that's too much i mean i can understand maybe doing a special like half the the newscast is going to be dedicated to michael jackson but that went a little bit too far and i'm very sad for music but uh for us i i mean i i was craving to so for some news about iran for example what's been happening all of a sudden iran doesn't exist anymore uh that was a little bit frustrating um What about you, Turkey? Michael Jackson fan? Um, nope. I'm no <laughs> fan of Michael Jackson Jackson at all. And uh, I do feel sorry that he's dead, but uh, personally, I don't have any respect for him. And I'm just so annoyed. And from all the coverage he's getting, like, it's unbelievable. The entire internet almost crashed. And the the news is everywhere, even in Arab news. It's just ma giving me a huge headache. So the the it was a huge deal in the Arab world also. Yeah, it was huge here, uh, at least on uh, on the internet uh, news sites. I I don't watch TV much, so I'm not sure about the news. But like Al Arabiya, uh, their website was had like five stories all about Michael Jackson's death. Right. Well, to to be completely honest, I have to say, I don't think there was another uh, person in the world who was who had so much reach um, in his time. But yeah, so it's under I'm not I'm saying it's understandable that uh, he would be uh, uh, his death would be reported on everywhere. But um, Anyway, uh, Neda, I've, I heard yes. that we were talking about uh, the fact that uh, Ahmadinejad must have been really happy that uh, the coverage was going to switch from uh, the Iranian situation to Michael Jackson. I'm, and I'm sure there is some truth to that joke. But I've also heard that um, the, the, the national channels were planning some sort of uh, um, Lord of the Rings marathon. Uh, on TV and that that was seen as a plan to to get people into their homes and out of the streets and I think it was on Buzz Out Loud uh, at some point but um, how about that uh, that uh, that um, Michael Jackson situation how did it go in Iran do you know um, well you know in Iran it's um, people um, because we're not allowed to have certain theaters or it's not really free on movies or cinemas and everything and they, the Iranians they love the music so a lot of times when you go back home you put your TV on which we're not allowed to but everybody has got cable TVs and um, music plays a big big part of um, Iranians people and um, they have a lot of knowledge I mean I was amazed to go to some part of Iran from the South Persian Gulf and people were saying Spanish music, South American music, or South American writers, or, you know, the things that I never thought. Because it's always an underground life they have. They have one life, which is street life. Obviously, you've got to put your your chador uh, uh, on your head, and you've got to go on with the regime because you've got to be in, you know, you have to, you have no choice. Then you have another part, which is your underground home life. You come home, you know, the latest music and everything. And Michael Jackson, Throughout these 30 years, um, 
did play a part because it's not about Michael Jackson, it's about his music. It's all about influence of music and videos. And um, everybody talks about it, yes, because, you know, when you come home during the war, when the bombs were bombing and everything, everybody, you know, you don't have no choice. Um, so you listen to music and you read. And um, music, it's... Uh, uh, it's it's all different colors. People say you know you, you can come to your cousin's house and listen to um, Norwegian music, uh, the last album of uh, Rolling Stones or whatever, and then you go to another one, you listen to opera. So music, uh, everybody talked talked about it, yes, and they still go on. But it doesn't. I mean, you know, um, the war, the Islamic repressive regime, it's something that we've been living with that for the last thirty years, but it hasn't stopped us. To talk about something else. Hmm. Um, so the the there was like wall to wall uh, coverage of Michael Jackson's death on the maybe you don't know that actually. Not the, not, not the newspapers. It's just okay. you know um, everyone was talking about people phone and everything. Yeah. Uh, Turkey. Before we go to Julio, um, I'm pretty sure they, they it will be the same for for him. But uh, Turkey was. Wasn't there something similar to the way uh, um, Neda was talking about uh, the reaction to the repression by having a sort of secret garden in your house? Uh, wasn't there something that could be uh, similar in Saudi Arabia? From the point of Michael Jackson? Well, <laughs> not specifically Michael Jackson, but the fact that since you cannot do, uh, there are a lot of things that you can't do outside and that you're not supposed to do. Uh, oh, there, that's, it's everywhere. Almost most homes uh, have something like that. They either build their own theater inside the house, they, uh, they alcohol have satellite forbidden. television. And Oh, everybody has satellite television in Saudi Arabia. Nobody watches <laughs> local uh, channels. <laughs> so, well, so, everybody here has satellite TV. Okay. Uh, uh, you can find uh, uh, on a less amount, like some people might actually have bars inside their homes or nightclubs within their homes. So, you can find a lot of things. People build a lot of stuff inside their homes to do what they want. So basically, the repression goes to the ones that don't have the money to access all these Western, uh, these Western delicacies. I mean, so the repression goes to the poor people, and then everybody else can have inside their house, like you well, said, alcohol, even a discotheque. I don't um, think they have yes. poor people in Saudi Arabia. No, we have poor, poor people, of course. But the point is, you say oppression, and then you have to ask whether they are oppressed or not, and really comes down to who you talk to. Uh, certainly a majority, and I'm sure of it, would support all these oppressions because they believe in it. Uh, if I'm talking about the poor people. Uh, 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 most of them would support it. A few would really... Uh, don't like it so it really comes down you can't you can't generalize the word oppression because it really comes down whether the people support it or not the person supports this or not okay but do you think they support it because it's the only thing they know about or and maybe they don't know what their assumptions are maybe you know you no know they, I mean? no no it's just it's religious they support it on a religious basis these are mostly religious people especially the poor are very religious people and they do support these things because they think it's part of their religious belief um to to have a slightly more clear uh, vision of what uh, the situation is in iran in that regard um how much is forbidden in iran like can you uh, 
listen to music in the street? Like, can you tell us, Neda, how well, oppressive well, it is? Um, okay, if you, we get everything. We get everything from Dubai, we get everything from Asia. I mean, the, the album, you can get a DVD which comes out in States or any European country, we get it a few days later. I mean, the impossible, it's possible in Iran. Uh, true, because we've got a lot of frontiers. We've got frontiers with Turkey and all the countries. But, 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 it's, t I mean, um, you cannot uh, sit out, sit outside and listen to music. You can buy them in, uh, I mean, you know, you cannot really go out there and buy the last album of uh, all the techno or the last Ibiza, whatever. But people have them. Uh, having said that, any minute they can come in and say you're not allowed to have it. We can take you. Uh, the minimum freedom which, uh, which is allowed, it's doubtful. You have it, but you're not allowed to have it. Mm. Uh, the cables, we're not allowed to have it. So sometimes every six months they come to certain areas, they take it all. And one week later, there we go again, paying uh, about 300, 400 bucks, buying it again. And there we go, it goes back on, the, back on our buildings. People read a lot. So we do get a lot of translation. Sometimes the libraries, they come and they take it all. Every, you know, everything, you're always on the doubt. Nothing right. is straight. You know? What about uh, what about uh, alcohol? Alco of course, alcohol is not allowed. But there again, you buy it uh, like in any Middle East country in black market. I mean, uh, you see, everything is there, but you're not allowed to. But there, you know, every, any second they can come into your house. The guy who sold it to you, <laughs> who is a part of the police, they will come and take you <laughs> to the prison. So, you know, I've seen that with my own eyes. So, you know, it's, it's a permanent hypocrisy. I mean, there is are there, Is there a constant state of, of fear that you're actually going to go to prison? Or is it just they take it from you, you pay a fine, and that's it? Listen, it depends on the... On, on the I, mean, if, I mean, you know, if you've got a thousand, you give it to the guy. If you don't have the thousand bucks, dollar I'm talking about, well, there you go. You go into prison, but you get about 50... 50, you know, how do you say it? 50... Uh, with this, you know, with your belt, when they hit it, you, they hit you. Oh, lashes, um, lashes. lashes yeah. Yeah. So, lashes. Um, so what are you going to say to somebody who's 22 years old? You're not allowed to go without with your girlfriend. You're not allowed to go with your girlfriend. But if if they want, they can ask you in the street, "Who is this lady?" It's tolerated, and any second they can take you. And God forbid, I'm, I don't wish my worst enemy to be in the prison of Iran in Evin. Because it's terrible. I mean, you know, a lot of people every day since 30 years they've been tortured, and um, and since Ahmadinejad for the last two weeks it's even worse. The journalists, the newspapers who just said no to the vote, giving your opinion, you're not allowed to. The minimum, uh, the minimum, you know, human beings' right, we're not allowed to have it. Okay. So it's always underground. Everything is underground. I see. Um, okay, that's a tough uh, transition to Julio, but <laughs> I'm. Oh well, yeah, Julio in Argentina, I guess. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> South America and um, all the. Yeah, actually, the, you were telling me, Julio, that there is a, a, an election in Ar Argentina. Uh, I don't know why I take the Spanish accent when I say it. I try to sound more authentic. I think it sounds perfect. Uh, oh well. Uh, 
so I, guess, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess they haven't really been talking about well michael jackson probably but w- w- what oh, yeah. one the all election the, the tomorrow news. or all the news are about Michael Jackson because uh, 48 hours before the election, you're not allowed to make any kind of public demonstration for or against any of the parties. And uh, well, if if I will comment on on Michael Jackson, uh, people will probably hate me because yeah, it's sad that he died, but I think it's good for music because uh, the Beatles song will go back to Paul McCartney. <laughs> I don't think they will go back to Paul McCartney. Well, uh, Yoko, no, Paul McCartney. I, I don't know who. No, I think uh, they will go to his children. They, they to the children of Michael Jackson, and they. Will no, 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 no. They are in the wheel. They are in the wheel that they go back to Paul McCartney. Oh, at least okay. that's at least that's what I heard, and that's why I said it's a good thing for music. Um, but I don't know. I think it, the way the media and everyone is reacting to this is a bit uh, hypocritical because. Yes, he did good music in the 80s, everybody was uh, a fan, uh, but then does no one remember, for instance, uh, uh, all these problems he had, the, he was on trial to see if he had taken advantage of little kids or not. Um, it's like this whole thing just uh, doesn't matter anymore and everybody is such a fan of Michael Jackson, and he was a hero and whatever. I, I mean, we, we have to put it into context, yeah, he was a pop star, but he doesn't really deserve that such a coverage. It's, it's amazing how everyone has reacted to this. So many people watching YouTube, I think it's so hypocritical, you know, and to be honest, in the past years, he had lots of financial problems. Nobody cared about it. Um, yeah, I, well, I think, I'm sorry, please finish. And no, well, like I said, I'm going to be hated about this, but... Uh, <laughs> So well, I, I, I won't comment anymore. It's just that I, 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 when I when I find this thing that uh, somebody dies, he had a long period of, uh, you know, with lots of problems, nobody cared. And now everybody says, oh, it's my hero. Oh, he was so wonderful. And, you know, it's no, so hypocritical. No, listen, I think there's there's it's too bad that uh, we don't have um, uh, Scott Johnson from... <laughs> Uh, on the, on the show because he was talking about this on Twitter yesterday and got quite a bit of flack for it. Uh, but I think you're you're uh, you have to separate the two. You have on one side you have the artist and on the other side you have the man that that Michael Jackson became today. And the artist, there's no uh, question that he was a revolutionary artist and very instrumental in in changing music and music videos and he was i can't think i can't really think of many people who would ha- who had such an impact i don't want to say an influence but an impact Patrick, on Patrick, music. i have to i have to agree but, with julio and all what wait, he said wait, wait, and, and, well, and you let me no you 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 have you have a point there but the problem is when you listen to what's the people reaction and everything he's my hero he was a great man we don't see the word he was a great artist no he was a great man he was my hero and that i cannot get and and to be honest, I, I I didn't want to go into this. Julio had to 
pull me into it because we <laughs> believe that when a person dies, just rest in peace and and that's it. But we don't we don't like to talk about their uh, what what they did in their life bad or what. So uh, and overall, I think they're they're just overblowing this whole Michael Jackson thing. It's so unbelievable the way it's covered. It's. Uh, the internet almost died. It's, it's, I, I, I just can't understand it. He just was just some well, artist. I don't believe anybody he else. Wasn't, he wasn't, and, he wasn't and just from some artist. Now, now, now we get some controversy here, Owen. Uh, <laughs> and now, uh, from your point of view, Patrick, that you're trying to separate the person from the artist, the one who died is a person because the artist either, either died 10 years ago when there was no new contributions to music. Or That's he will still be alive, depending on the, how you want to look at it. I, I agree. The artist, like, yeah. the artist did die uh, maybe 15 years ago, and and Michael Jackson, the the body that freak. remained was a, a, a freak, and we all agree on that, and that's why he he got so much flack for it. But um, it there you can't. That's true in theory, but you can't uh, deny the fact that when the man actually dies, then you're gonna reflect on his career and uh, think about all that he accomplished in his in his career. And uh, well, I, you know, I, you know what? Look at the sales now in Amazon. Dying was yeah. the best thing that would happen to his career. <laughs> Uh, just look at that on iTunes also. It's unbelievable. Michael Jackson is in the top. I think I think the last time I checked, there were five songs in the top ten for him. Yeah, I I agree. It's a it's a huge. And, and you know uh, what that means? That means lots of people from the mu music industry are making lots of money at the moment. Um, absolutely. That's that's also that also increases all the hype in the media. They are. They, yeah, they and I wonder how much of that money is going to help to pay all of the debts he left behind. I, I think yeah, not as much as as it should probably. Um, all right, I, I guess we could talk about uh, Michael Jackson for a while here, but um, no, yeah. no, no, I want to move on. I want to move yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on. Uh, and I then, want to go to France now. <laughs> I, I, well, I, what Patrick had, had asked me before about the elections, we, we have tomorrow a midterm elections in Argentina, in which uh, we select half of the seats in the lower house of the Congress and a third of the seats on the upper house. And I just wanted to short comment on this because uh, we have so, uh, we have all these problems with elections in Iran and we are not short of controversy as well. Um, from here in the Netherlands, I cannot really get all the local news, but I understand there are lots of uh, controversies. For instance, we have candidates that uh, are on the list, you know, to be selected just for cosmetic purposes because they already have positions in the government that they are not willing to give up. That is called testimonial candidates. I was wondering if any of you uh, had a situation like this before in your countries. Um, I'm not. Can you explain a little bit further? I'm not sure what you're talking. Well, about. this means, for instance, we have a guy number one that he's already the governor of a province, uh, but he's now in the he's one of the candidates to be selected as a congressman. Because we don't really select the person of the Congress that goes to Congress, but we select the party, and there is a list of people, and then according to how many votes, you get more or less seats. Then this, the name of this guy, who is already governor, will, what they think is, will make people vote for that party because of the guy, but the guy will never take Congress, will never go to Congress, he will never accept the position. 
so his position will just go to the next one in the list that nobody knows. And oh. for me, as when I when I heard about this, I was so outraged because I think it should be illegal. Uh, but that seems to be what was going on. So I, I, I wanted to, to know if this maybe happens in other countries as well. Well, in, in France, I mean, I know we had the EU uh, elections, which, which I just wanted to mention very quickly also, um, where, of course, you have a list of, of uh, people that are on the ballot, but the one who has its na their name on the ballot goes to the European pa Parliament. And I don't think, I might be mistaken, but I don't think that that situation specifically happens uh, in France, the one you're talking about. And moreover, we haven't heard about the uh, Argentine uh, election at all. I mean, between the uh, the situation in Iran and everything that's been happening here, it's probably understandable. But uh, yes, I understand. And it's just a midterm election. It's not like they we, yeah. they they are electing a new president or anything. I'm going to vote tomorrow. Um, as it it made it to some of the international news, for instance, the Economist or Newsweek, and what I read there. Um, it's uh, that basically at the moment our government is uh, fully controlled by the official party, the one in the presidency, the Congress as well, and because with these elections it's very likely that the government, uh, that the Congress will not be majority of the official party anymore, um, there are some rumors that the president might even quit if they don't get majority because he, she, she is not willing to, to compromise with other parties. But, that's, but okay, that, that's that's it. That, yeah, but that, it's interesting because in in uh, in the EU elections, which I'm sure you heard about also, and I, I hope everyone heard about, um, yes. we had uh, a, a pretty clear victory for the uh, party in place uh, in France, uh, President Sarkozy's party, which is a right wing party, which was very surprising because. For well, the listeners of this show know that I've been talking about uh, strikes all the time in in France and uh, social unrest and and people being really unhappy with the government. So we were expecting that the left would uh, would be a, would do a big score, but it was very very um, uh, it was they actually got a very weak uh, score. And uh, they even got, uh, I mean, the Green Party got uh, an almost bigger score than the left. So it was a huge surprise and it reinforced uh, the right uh, wing party, which is the one in charge uh, very much. And it, that was the big, uh, the big surprise in, uh, in the past month for us. But do you, see, do you think Sarkozy is doing a good job in his position so far? Um, that's hard to say, and I think my the answer is probably predicated on <laughs> my political beliefs in 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 a way because he is bringing France more towards the center uh, on on the political world stage, and I personally think we were too much at the left. But maybe the way he's doing it is a little bit reprehensible, and I'm sure that a lot of people from the 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 opposing. Uh, political spectrum would tell you that he's doing things horribly but um yeah what's his deal with the whole burger thing well okay that's that's actually a different uh, story uh that's what why you wanted me to go into what happened in france turkey <laughs> yeah i want to understand this whole thing because i don't see where the separation of religion and state comes into this all i see is uh, oppression 
Oh, wow. Well, uh, I'm sorry, I have not heard of Patrick, can you explain what he's talking about? Because yeah, I have not I'm, heard about it. I'm going to explain, and uh, maybe all of you can, uh, can uh, uh, tell us what you think about this. Um, the the thing that's been happening in the past couple of uh, maybe couple of weeks or three weeks is that uh, some people are in the political sphere are asking should we outlaw uh, the burqa which is the full uh, Islamic uh, veil that even covers the face I'm sorry if I'm if I'm saying something stupid here um, it's the one that they wear in Afghanistan and under the Taliban rule it's very uh, uh, it's been reported on a lot. So people have been asking, should we outlaw it outright and say that it is illegal uh, to be worn in France and in schools uh, specifically? And there were debates going back and forth. And finally, uh, Sarkozy said, yes, it is. It, it, he didn't declare it illegal, of course, but he said, I think it should be illegal. And we, it is not compatible with the values of the republic. And the reason for this is that um, the, certain displays of religious um, uh, beliefs are considered to be enforcing your beliefs to the point that it infringes on other people's um, freedom or... Yeah, I guess okay, that's wait, the best wait, way wait, to wait, put wait. it. How, and, how are and, you infringing on other people's freedom when you're well, covering yourself? There, there, are, there are several issues here. Um, it, the first one is that there is a question about how voluntary these practices are. And of course, I know, Turkey, you're going to say, yes, they do want to wear the veil or they wouldn't. And it's a voluntary no, look, thing. Look, but look, I'm sure, I, I know for a fact there are some women that would want to wear it. And I, I don't support the burqa. I'm completely okay. anti-burqa. I don't believe in covering the face. But I believe it's, it's her, her choice. I don't have a problem with France having a law that says that no woman should be forced to wear the burqa. That I have no problem. But to go outright and say wearing a burqa is forbidden in France, now that's complete stupidity and that's imposing wait, your wait, point of view on others. Well, I don't wait, 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 wait. I, I, don't, I don't think it's being forbidden in, in France to wear the burqa. What, what uh, Patrick said is to be. No, 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 that's the law. That's specific. The but to be in certain specific places, such as in school, for instance. No, that's already done now. Now, now even hijab is not allowed in school. And according, so. to, uh, according to what you said, the Gurkha is... Let's hear from it, Neda. She's been very quiet and very nice, letting us talk for maybe 20 minutes. Uh, Neda, do you have something to say about this? Well, I mean, um, you know, I, I do have... Um, I mean, I just... Uh, I'm in the Republic of France, and I have... If this is the law, uh, well, I mean, you know, this is the law, and I have not, no problem with it, you know? Uh, wearing a burqa, not in schools, okay, I agree with it. I mean, you know, in your private life, that's whatever, you know, if you're in the street, in your house, going to France, I don't, you know, I don't mind. Coming into the school in certain places, uh, you know, administration and all that, Nida, well, you know, Nida. Nida, we're not talking about that. That's already the law right now. We're talking now, Sarkozy is pushing for a law that says, even in public, you're not allowed to wear burger, period, in France. Okay, this is, this is the deal, Turkey. And um, I think that the burqa in itself, by its nature, is oppressive. 
and I think it's a good thing that it should be no, no, forbidden. Look, look, if, that's, no, that's my you, opinion. Should, should, no. No, here's my opinion. You cannot force someone. You, are you going to go and tell a woman who completely does it willingly and say, you know, you're oppressed. I don't, you should never wear that. And the law says you were not allowed. So you're telling her that your views are better than hers. And you know what's oppressive and not for her. Yes. And she's stupid. Yes. Well, Turkey, I think yes, the no, I, 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 I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. And I'm going to tell you, I absolutely believe that as a system, we should uh it it enters into that realm of of course if one person wants to wear their hair like this or like that of course if you take one example that's not going to be the case but in the case of a, of an institutionalized <laughs> practice that is in my opinion i think forced upon women it should be a a, a decision that we as a s society make to outlaw no, one specific but, practice but you just, like that. You just, you just killed individuality. You're just killing her individuality. You're telling her you're the one who's going to tell her what to wear and not to wear. Yes, in that doesn't specific case, case, doesn't, in that doesn't she specific have the right case, to yes, pick? I do, yeah, I, I, in that specific case, yeah. I, 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 I do say that, I should, uh, uh, that it should be forbidden. How is it more stupid that France outlaws this uh, when in other countries this is mandatory for girls to wear it? So, I, I also you know? believe it shouldn't be mandatory. I think it's stupid even in countries okay. where you, 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 it's mandatory. So you, what, you want, what you want is free choice? Yes. Of worry or not. Okay, in that case, uh, I agree with you. Um, and when they outlaw it... Okay, Patrick, I don't, I don't think I understand correctly. Is that if a girl is wearing a burqa in the streets, um, she's going to get fined for that? She's going to go to jail for that? Well, probably fine, I guess. I, I mean, the law hasn't been voted yet. It's, it's, it's it just... should be, well, I, I, it's, it seems a bit extremist because it should be treated the same as a hat, you know? It's just a hat. No, yeah, if you that's... want to wear it, you can. If you, to... if you cannot, but in certain yeah. places, like for no, instance... No, I understand. I, I understand this opinion completely. And I think that it's very important to preserve our uh, individual liberties. And in 99.9% in .9 of the cases you should be allowed to wear or not wear whatever you want. But in this specific case, I think it enters a system that is larger than just wearing a certain item of clothing. And I think in this larger context, then you shouldn't be allowed to, uh, to you know, it, it's, it's a way to uh, uh, propagate a system that is oppressive and that we shouldn't allow an oppressive system to 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 uh, go on. And, but, but and you're, you're saying you're everyone saying, should have the choice. You're saying you know better. You're saying you're no better. Yes. Nobody knows better, Patrick. No, I, Nobody I knows think, better. I think in that you're case, think, in the you're, same you're way... Declaring, you're okay. declaring... Look, it's, it's the same way. Look, you're, you're making the same system. You're declaring yourself as God. My religion says you should never wear burqa. No, it's listen, the same you're, concept. You're, no, you're it's twisting the, same concept, the argument. Patrick. Well, hey, let me no, I'm respond. Not the, I'm not twisting the argument. It's the same exact concept. Okay. You said that let me, they're forced by their religion, and now you're saying, no, I'm going to force them not to wear it. So what's the difference between the two? Let because I answer. think, because yeah, thank you, Julio. Uh, because I think that in this context, it's a symptom of something different. Of course, I don't care if anyone uh, if anyone wears anything anywhere. I I, I could even ha be happy to have people walking naked in the street, whatever. But in this instance, it's a it's a symptom 
of something different. And that something different is the oppression that women uh, uh, experience in some extremist um, Islamic rules. And I'm sure that you have some, I mean, if it was a, a um, uh, some sort of Catholic rule that said you have to wear that kind of clothing, and it became, it came to the point where it became a problem in, in a society, I might say, yes, well, this one is a symptom of something that is too oppressive for a free republic where we have freedom to accept. So, in, in a, a strange, ironic twist, indeed, you have to forbid something to preserve liberty. Yeah, But I Patrick, think, yeah. Patrick, I think, uh, as you said, it's, it's, it's mandatory in our countries, but France is supposed to be a rational country, a bastion of liberty and free choice and freedom of, of speak. Don't you think that if they forbid the burqa, um, they are putting them, it's putting France on the same level as the countries that make it mandatory? Yeah, I think it's a very difficult situation. And the problem is, where do you draw the line? For example, well, it would it would go into a whole different conversation, but uh, no, I think I think it is it, it is a problem that should be dealt with, and my, I don't know how to say it differently. I think it's a symptom of something bigger, and uh, if we can fight the the symptom, then. But um, Why don't you just fight the system by picking religious leaders who don't believe in the program to talk to people, try to convince them and educate them that this is not what is required instead of telling people, you know what, you don't have a choice. You're going to walk without that or you're going to go to jail. That's actually, actually, Turkey, I was going to say something on the same lines. I don't know if anybody else heard it, but he was coming. His sound was a bit choppy. Um, uh, Yes, uh, what Turkey is saying is right. If you uh, are going to these girls, where is where is where it as a choice because of a religion, religious belief, and they will feel ashamed if they cannot wear it just because of the law. Uh, maybe the solution is not to forbid it completely, but for instance, to not allow religious schools in in, in France or to increase the awareness uh, of uh, yeah, rational this is thought all, all and. And, 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 you know, educate them uh, so that they know that they don't need to feel ashamed and that they, they know that they have the right to not wear it if they want to. I think if we want to continue the conversation, it would have to go into a very uh, religious-centric conversation and it could go on for very long. So I'm afraid we're going to have to stop it there because the show has already been going on for an hour and a half uh, almost. Didn't you say you wanted me to explode? I'm just exploding <laughs> for you, Patrick, here. <laughs> Thank you so much, Turkey, for this. I'm very grateful. Thank you so much, Patrick. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we we I guess we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, I I guess Neda, did, did you have something you wanted to add about that whole burka thing, or is that is that it? Listen, it's uh, you know if if it's a lot of a lot of times a lot of women they weren't purely you know provocation. You know, it's not always their faith. I'm sorry to tell you this. A lot of times they're just saying, hey, listen, I am what I am, you know. And uh, this is because a lot of times, you know, when I walk in the streets, I talk to them. Hey, where were you born? I was born in France. Have you ever been in the Middle East? No. Do you know what it is, Islam? No, not really. They don't even know the history of Islam. It's just, you know, it's my provocation. That's what I don't respect. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's By an interesting way. Putting the identity and the propaganda. If somebody's got faith, that's that's fair enough. You know. A uh, very very interesting point uh, to add to the. Uh, to the discussion, and I wish we had more time to actually go into it uh, uh, a little bit more, but ah, too bad. We'll have to talk about this again at one point, and I'm sure we'll have the uh, a chance to do it. Um, we usually end the show with a uh, funny st uh, story about that uh, with the segment, and now for something completely different, but I don't have one today. Um, do any of you want have uh, a... a Funny story to lighten the mood a little bit. Funny story. I'm sure I have something. I just need well, to remember it. <laughs> your, your funny stories are always depressing and appalling, Turkey. So maybe we should avoid that one. <laughs> Turkey, in your in your funny stories, people get crucified. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I have a funny story. That guy. How's the fun part? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I guess that's going to be it for us. Uh, I want to thank again uh, everyone uh, of you for coming on the show and for having a great conversation um, and give you the opportunity to maybe pimp uh, something that you're doing on the web. Julio, is there anything you want to tell uh, the listeners where they can find you on the internet? Uh, well, as usual, I have my Twitter account, which is Aprea, A-P-R-E-A, -E and I have recently, uh, well, I, I, I have started collaborating uh, so far just one episode on a Spanish podcast, which uh, the address is alternaria.tv, which I would believe it's better if you just put it on the show notes because it might be complicated sure. for, for people. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a Spanish it, uh, it's a Spanish tech show, isn't it? Let's put it, uh, it's uh, Spanish bus out loud. Okay, fair enough. But no, no way near the, the number of uh, the, the audience that uh, Tom gets, <laughs> but uh, I think the guys are doing quite well. Okay. And I'm, I just collaborate from time to time. So twitter.com slash Aprea, Aprea, and yeah. uh, Alter, uh, can you say it again? Alternaria. Alternaria.tv. Yes. Good. Turkey, how about you? Well, uh, people need to follow me. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my ID is Saudi. So that's twitter.com slash Saudi. Uh, I need to give a shout out. Someone asked me to give a shout out. So CJ, this is it. Shout out for you. <laughs> and one more thing. I just something just I remembered. I had to if Dvorak is listening to this show, Dvorak start stop telling people that you did not Twitter was all fake because it was all in English and not in Persian about the Iranian election. It wasn't <laughs> Persian. We just never saw the Persian tweets. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that Dvorak is listening to the show, but if he is, I hope he gets the message. Mubarak is looking at himself. Once again. <laughs> Who? What? Mubarak. Oh, no, we're, we're talking about someone else from the tech oh. community. Dvorak is a tech news reporter who is very angry, a little bit like Turkey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, Turkey, people need to follow you, as I understand it. Uh, that's what you said, right? They need to follow you on Twitter at twitter.com slash Saudi. Yep. That's okay. where I am. And uh, Neda, is there something you want to say before we uh, close the show? A message, a place to get news, anything? No, thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you very much for everything. It was uh, lovely being with you. And it was very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. 
Well, thank you very much for being here, and I hope you uh, keep us uh, informed about what happens. Uh, and everyone uh, you know in, in Iran is uh, well, and uh, hopefully things change in the near future. Uh, so I want to thank our audience also for being here. Thanks to the chat room for soldiering on on a Saturday afternoon or morning in the U.S. Uh, thanks to everyone, Copper Dome, um, Paga, and Kitchell, and everyone else who was here. Thanks really for being here. Um, if you want to leave a comment on the show or uh, see the show notes, we will have a bunch of links uh, on the website. You can go to thephiliasclub.com. If you want to send us an email, you can send an email to phileas uh, at frenchspin.com. That's the email address to send us comments and, uh, and uh, well, just uh, stories you might think are interesting and stuff like that. You can also go to the iTunes page uh, on the Phileas Club and leave us reviews. We appreciate them and they help us have a little bit more visibility in the iTunes uh, music store. That's always good. And finally, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at twitter.com slash notpatrick. So thanks again, everyone, and we will talk to you next month. Bye. Bye. <laughs>